Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. I tried the Cheetos mac and cheese. It was bad. Hey, Alex, it was bad. Dude, the, this isn't fear factor, okay? You don't need to try stuff to go to the next round. But I promised I was going to try it and report back. I did, and I have. It uh, it set my body... It sent my body into a factory reset. I like, I literally had like one spoonful and I was like, oh, ah, um, the, the powder well, here's the thing. People, some people like factory resets. That's the whole idea of a cleanse. Hey so gang, might- if your nutritionist says that you need to go on a cleanse and then they slide you a box of Cheetos, <laughs> Mac and cheese, uh, d- find a new one. Um, t- probably one that doesn't operate out of the alley behind an olive garden. Right. Um, the, the cheese powder that was included in this, you know, was so orange. It was almost pink. <laughs> it was so one color. It was almost another color. Yes. And I want you to picture that in your mind. I want you to picture an orange that is somehow pink. And that's like, when I opened that, I'm like, oh, so this is what I'm in for. Uh, and it was like the worst part of Cheetos mixed with the worst part of mac and cheese. And so I just want to say, hey, guys, I don't I didn't mean that for this to take up two weeks of your time. I didn't want this to be a continuous saga, but I needed closure and I'm sure you did, too. Um, do you want to do yeah, like I a mean- different do you want to like maybe do like a palate cleanse before we dive into the movie or is this just kind of the energy we need to go into? Um, I think for RV, this energy will do just fine. <laughs> I think so too. You make an excellent point. Um, in week three of movies that shaped me, we are watching the comedy, the Robin Williams comedy RV. We're going to be talking about it in depth, so if you don't want to hear us talk about it, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 25 minutes, 35 seconds. All right, Alex, um, I think this one's going to be pretty easy for you in terms of okay. why this movie is important to me. This is when you fell in love with Robin Williams. Yes, correct. And golly, the second one's going to be tricky. This is something that we've talked about Um this wasn't so much a reason as like why it formed me, but it was very important because of like what my family did when we watched this movie. I mean, I'm sure this this might have been like the movie that you guys all liked watching. And then and it was probably like, oh, that's you. That's you, Craig. That's who you are. Andrew. Oh, that's who you are. Yeah. And so on top of that, my family also did a lot of camping in like the yep. late 2000s, early 2010s. So... When it was like, hey, here's this Robin Williams family comedy about them camping. And there were a lot of like little details that we related to like hardcore. We didn't have like a full RV. We had a we had a trailer, like a, a nice size trailer, but we hooked it onto the truck and we had to pull it with a separate vehicle. Um, so there were little idiosyncrasies that didn't perfectly align, but like the whole putting ramps on the wheels so it wouldn't roll off. I we did that every time we went camping. Like mm-hmm. we were very familiar with that concept. Um when they do the scene when they were getting rid of the waste, like again, a scene that like we could have written. Uh we had 
the pullout section of the of our trailer that had a little switch and was very very slow and there was more than one occasion where we were about to pull out of the uh, we were about to leave the campground and we're like oh we forgot to pull the slide in and then it's you know just three minutes of waiting for someone to pull the slide in so like this is one of those movies that like a lot of the jokes were funny not because they were funny but because they were relatable especially to a family yeah that's fair that's what you do yeah um so this formed you as a kid when did you start watching this movie so it came out in 2006 then probably the pg I don't think we saw it in theaters, so it was probably 2007 when it came out on DVD. So I was eight. And then was this something you guys watched all the time? Were you like obsessed with this movie? Yeah, like every time we went camping, we would watch this movie. So like we would probably watch it once a week every summer for like four or five years. Good grief, bro. Well, um, does it hold now, up, Greg? How do you feel? Does it? it? <sighs> what a great question. Um. To an extent, I think um, this one holds up to me less than Batman Forever did. Um, There are definitely some parts that are held together by nostalgia and that's it. But there are parts of this movie that I didn't even like as a kid. Like that scene at the very beginning when um, Cassie's friend interrogates Will Arnett and then throws like a like a health drink at him. Mm -hmm. Um, That made me so uncomfortable as a kid. And hey, guess what? Makes me uncomfortable now. Did, ooh, yikes. I was one of those scenes that I forgot it was about to happen until it started happening and it was too late for me to skip ahead. Uh, Like all these like cringe memories, like all flooded in at once. And like it almost happened in slow motion as I was watching the movie. Um, Dude, uh, yeah. There was a couple points like that. That wasn't one of them. It's when the... It, for me, it was the emptying the reservoir for the bathroom for me because you can see it coming a mile away. Yeah. You know, like, hey, this is a comedy. They're messing with, you know, human waste sewage. So there's it's going to it's the way the laws of comedy state that it can't go well. And that yes. whole thing was just like hard for me. <laughs> yeah. And that scene is not very well paced. Because the joke of that scene is Robin Williams' character, Bob, doesn't know what he's doing. His son is watching him not know what he's doing. And he eventually draws a crowd. And not a little crowd, like a big 4th of July-esque barbecue of people trying to watch this man empty the sewage from his RV. And I remember watching that as a kid, and I feel this way now, of like, this escalated so far past the point where like it's not funny um it was just uncomfortable especially because the people that were directly helping him like were very clearly doing stuff wrong and we knew that so we were just kind of waiting for the bomb to explode yeah, just waiting for it to happen so that was kind of annoying for me um there also are scenes that i just didn't think were funny but i understand that they would be funny for other people so when they're at that same resort, that's when they meet the Gornicky family. Yeah. With Jeff Daniels and Kristen Chenoweth and then Earl and then not Earl, you know? Um, and that for me was just like not funny, but I get that it was just for someone else. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. And oh my god, talk about a scene that makes me uncomfortable. That scene where uh, somebody gives Cassie a plate of not meat because she's a vegetarian. She takes one bite and he starts explaining like it's all organs and entrails that from roadkill that I cooked this morning. And he's like, the rest of it is curing in my RV right now. And then she gets up and runs inside the RV to throw up and then opens a door and there hangs like eight carcasses curing in a bedroom. And I'm like, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. I just didn't, that was, didn't make me uncomfortable. It was just like, Oh, that's a joke that they would have in, the late aughts, mid to late aughts. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm isolating a lot of things that I didn't find funny. I laughed during this movie more than I thought I was oh, yeah, going to. But since we're kind of on this role, that scene, <laughs> there's a scene where Josh Hutchinson, who is the son in this movie, he like walks up on these people that are playing basketball. And Josh Hutchinson's whole character is that he's young, he's small, and he wants to be tough. So he's always talking about how strong he is, how he's lifting weights. He listens to gangster rap, and he walks up on these people that like genuinely exude these characteristics. And he like tries to be part of them and like, almost starts a fight. And so Robin William Robin Williams comes in to defuse the situation and he does so by doing the whitest hood talk I've ever seen in my life for I feel it was 45 minutes. It went on for a long time. It was probably it was, the, realistically the is, is was, I'm always conscious of what the joke is and the joke yes. is a white guy talking like a black person. That's the joke. Y- yes. And the thing is, is the people he was talking to were white. Yeah. So it was just weird. The whole thing was just weird. Um, I didn't think it was funny, but this is like, this is parent humor. This is stuff that our parents think are funny because it's making fun of, it's making fun of young people, but young people don't talk like that. Black people talk or nobody talks like that, but he's making fun of black people. It just, the whole thing just feels uncomfortable, but parents find that thing funny. And it was just like the whole time, I'm just like, uh, this could end. This is going on too long. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, I feel like there were some really good one-liners, especially between the kids. Like there's a scene where a, ra- where a raccoon gets into the oven and they're trying to figure out a way to get it out. It like lives Dude. in the oven in this RV. And yeah. the daughter... The daughter goes like, why can't we just give it to Carl? Maybe he'll eat it and leave. And Carl, the son, uh, rebuts with, why don't we feed him you? Maybe he's on a South bitch diet. I'm like, all right. (laughs) It caught me so off guard that I found that line very funny. And then like his dad gives him like a good one. And I'm like, all right, that was good. That was that was a great sequence. There is a bunch of one liners. I don't remember any of them. Um, But dude, the movie's just funny. Okay. Yeah, I think this movie has really strong dialogue, but as soon as it tries to go into an extended bit, that's when it dissolves completely. Yeah, dude, I don't... Like, when the kid came out and goes, I'm Earl, and the other kid came out and goes, I'm not Earl, I laughed, and I don't even know why. I just, like, I was... there's The one-liners, the funny dialogue was so well-written that it caught me multiple times. (laughs) <laughs> um, but this does definitely has like that, like, are we there yet vibe where we're on a yeah, road trip for and sure. just things go wrong on a road trip. This is a road trip movie. Um, 
And that's something that was super popular in the early 2000s. Like, this is just what movies were. Um, so it's very much of the time, but I think it's funny. Robin Williams, wouldn't you think, like, he's hilarious. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, like, even the every stuff time that's he did... Not, even the stuff that's not funny, like, it still has that charisma that he has. So when he's doing a bit that's failing, like, I, it still didn't feel like a pure waste of time because he is just a delight to watch perform dude when he's in the bathroom working on his laptop and that kid comes in and goes I've been, I, I have insomnia i haven't slept in five years and this kid's like <laughs> six yeah mason and i both like laughed out loud dude just the jokes are funny um there are a couple times where i'm like oh i forgot we were watching a movie like this can't just be bits the whole time so like him working on sending the email. I always thought those bits were dumb, but I'm like, I understand they're important to the story that he, he's supposed to be working this whole time. And then like trying to get to the meetings. I'm like, I know it's the point of the story, but like, this is not the fun part. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt like Assassin's Creed when you got pulled out of the animus and you had to be Desmond. And I'm like, well, I get like, this is the whole point, but put me back in the game so I can kill people. <laughs> um, I, this movie didn't do a very good job at being a movie. I think it does set up very well. Like we got through the setup pretty quick and it didn't feel like a pain to do. Um, but all the execution in the third act was kind of wild. Like the family yeah. goes th this entire trip. The whole family is kind of writing Bob. Like the trip isn't fun. It's inconvenient they don't enjoy it and then they do one hike without him they come back and they love him they are sorry for being a nuisance they totally understand why he did this like it took one hike without him for them to really appreciate the man that he is and i'm like okay guys let's hold on this isn't yeah. an arc this is we just jumped here yeah it it felt weird. I mean, the thing is, it felt like a movie from the 2000s. So it's not a great movie. Like the character arcs don't really make sense that there's not a lot of character development across the board. Like everyone's the same at the end. They just like, like their dad now, you know? Yeah. So, like, and they're just like, you know what? This is better than Hawaii dad. I'm like, okay. But like, I think it was, that's not the point in comedies. And this is just like a straight up comedy. This is not a rom-com. This is not a action comedy. This is just a comedy. Um, so I could get on board with that. I'm like, ah, this movie's just playing by different rules. That's okay. Yeah. Um, the woman who plays Cassie Monroe, Jojo, who does she yeah. look like? She looks like somebody else. And I could not figure it out for the life of me. I don't know if it was just like some sort of like weird deja vu. Cause I haven't seen this movie in 10 years or like, I don't know if she looks like, I know, like Jamie Lynn Spears. You know what I think it is? I think she looks like just enough like Victoria Justice. Where she I think like, she looks just it, enough like Victoria Justice. But for me, JoJo's a singer. Yes, so she is. I watched this. I'm like, oh, JoJo did a movie? Like, I've been listening to her music. So, like, that was weird for me. Yeah. Um, she kind of looks like Victoria Justice, a little bit like Danielle Monet, also from Victorious. And I like the entire movie, I like could not put my finger on it. Um, that this serves no purpose. It was just something I thought about. What do you think about Will Arnett? Will Arnett has this spectacular ability to, I think, perform exceptionally in otherwise unremarkable roles. Like 
he has a charm about him that like the character he plays is boring and a one note character. And Will Arnett plays him a very one note way. It's not like he's bringing a lot of depth to this performance, but there's something about Will Arnett's specific mannerisms that I find very entertaining. So watching him and Robin Williams just kind of like have like a, a mannerisms off anytime that they were in a conversation together. I, I liked those scenes. Yeah. I will say of all the performances and of all the casting, I'm not super sold on Jamie Monroe uh, played by Cheryl Hines. I'm not sold on it. If I feel like she did a good enough job, but that job, that could, part could have been played by a couple other people. She, yeah, she's just kind of like the mom from Modern Family. Yeah. I, she she kind of feels like th- the same vibes as that. And she's not as famous as I always think she is, Cheryl Hines. I'm like, what do I know her from? And it's RV, and then she's in all of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and then a bunch of other stuff. I mean, she's been in stuff. It's just a bunch of stuff you haven't seen. Yeah. A bunch of stuff I haven't seen, and I'm probably not going to see. Um, I don't know. It's wild how many movies Josh Hutcherson has been in, like before he got like really famous. If you look at his IMDb, his four known fours are all Hunger Games movies. Well, but, the thing is, is if you were a kid, you knew who he was. Adults yeah. didn't know who he was till Hunger Games. We have this is the third at least. This is at least the third Josh Hutcherson movie we've seen across. Small and Tall and Permanent Good because he was also in not just Bridge to Terabithia, but also Zathura. Dude, Zathura freaking slaps. It does, yeah. Um, So it was just, it's kind of weird seeing like how many times this kid pops up. And like, I think this is probably the weakest performances of his child career. But again, he's like 11. I'm not holding it against him. Also, they want him to play a super cringy kid. Yeah. The super, like, this is when the movie wanted to give all parents everywhere being, like, kids these days, right? And they just did it to Josh. Yeah, absolutely. And this movie was also kind of, like, on the brink of technological integration for, like, everything. So this was one of the first movies that was, like... Oh, our kids don't care about us. And we have like, there's a line that Robin Williams says at the, at the beginning of the movie. That's like, that's like, we have to IM each other when dinner's ready. And like, that was the first movie to say something like that. Like we have to digitally contact each other. Cause we're all in separate rooms of the house. And that was a weird thing to see. Yeah. It was also like, I mean, anytime the technology is going to be a big part of this movie. Like the whole premise is he's taking his laptop. He's typing up emails on his phone on his Blackberry can't send stuff like it's it's just that thing hey I mean, real quick he's got like original ipods um real quick uh, did his laptop have like 3g on it or something because <laughs> he was trying to send a presentation and he was holding his la- he was holding his laptop up to try to give the laptop signal and i'm like what what do you think's going on here? Like, was there Wi-Fi in the campground I and we just didn't had one of those see that plug-in setup? Hotspots they used to have. Oh yeah. With a little, you have yeah, to yeah, take yeah. it and you have to hook up, throw up the antenna. Yeah. Out of like the USB uh-huh. or Ethernet port. I bet he had one of those. This movie does not shy away from putting its characters into physically uncomfortable 
situations. And what I mean by that is like, there's a scene where they're all in the rain for an entire night and they slide down like dirt hills and they have to dry up in a bar, but they're still covered in dirt. And then there's a scene where Robin Williams has to like bike through the wilderness and is super sweaty and again falls down a dirt hill and like it has lots of scenes where the environment is thrown against our characters and that made me uncomfortable as a kid and even now like if that happened to me i would probably just cry and give up i'd be like this sucks i'm never doing this again but the joke is somewhere the hollywood elites (laughs) or people who are in the city are just like that's camping when yes. obvi- anyone who's ever been camping goes, oh, that never happens. When it's raining outside, you don't go outside. You just hang out in the camper the whole time. Or you hang out in the tent. Like, you just don't yeah. do that. No one goes hiking and getting sweaty and falling around. That just never happens. But that's, like, that's the joke, you know? Like, and, like, when people go on road trips, like, every road trip movie, like, someone runs out of gas. I'm like, that never happens. But that's road trips. I'm like, or, like, stuff gets, like, thrown out the window. Or, like... Stuff like soda cans explode in the back seat. I'm like, that's not normal, but this is a movie, so I guess we're doing it. <laughs> I I don't know, man. Like the the RV rolls into the lake. Yeah, and then they pull it out of the lake and continue to drive it. And that scene that's uh, also <laughs> not how automotives work. You yeah, can't do that. And so you see the inside of this RV. And it's been underwater for two days, they tell us. And, you know, it's covered in mold. Everything is water damage. And, like, I feel like I would have had, like, an allergic reaction. And I'm not even allergic to that stuff. And just seeing the kind of, like, dirt and grime in it. Like, this was a very dirty movie. Yeah. And in a little dirt way. Yeah. Um, um, the last thing that I want to say is it's weird seeing Kristen Chenoweth in this movie. Because she's one of those celebrities that, like, I didn't know who she was when I watched this movie. And then I go back and I'm like, oh, this is the original Glinda on Broadway. She's, like, probably top five. she doesn't sing very much. She does sing in this movie. But I'm like, dude, this chick's got pipes, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Why is she doing this? She is probably top five most famous Broadway actors of all time. And. And then this mo- and this movie comes out two years after her peak Broadway career, and it's RV. Like, I want to know what kind of magic this studio had to do to get something like this. And, like, Jeff Daniels is one of those people that's, like, he's probably easy to get for a movie like this. Well, he it also kinda- wanted, if you look at the trivia, like... Half of it is about him. He wanted to be in this movie because he's a big RV guy. The RV he uses in this movie is his RV. So like, I, I just find that, that so interesting that these mm-hmm. characters, you know, these very famous actors, like it's weird looking at it now from an adult perspective. Um, I think overall this movie is funny. But I understand that a lot, a lot of it is holding on nostalgia for me. And if I'm being quite honest, like, I don't know where that line is for this specific movie. Um, Mm. It's not good. Like, like, it's one of those movies that, like, I don't know if I could recommend 
to people. I don't I don't know who I could recommend it to. Batman Forever, very nostalgic for me. I know who I could and could not recommend that movie to. I know that if I recommend it to someone, I got to say, here's the caveat. Here's what to expect. With RV, I don't even know what I would say. Like <laughs> like I would have to watch that movie with them and be like, this is the part my dad really liked. Like I would have to spend the whole movie justifying why we're watching it. Right. I liked this movie, but I think it's just you either find it funny or you don't find it funny. And I found it funny. And this is like, I've this is the second time I've watched it. But the first time I watched it, I feel like it was, I cumulatively watched it one time. But it was like always on TV. So you just turn it on and be like, oh, I'm seeing, like I saw like the sewage scene once. I saw the very beginning where she throws the drink on Will Arnett. I saw that scene once. But like, I've never watched the whole movie straight through. So... I'm like, it's a good movie. I, it's not a great movie and I don't, but I think it's worth watching um, because it's a good Robin Williams movie. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like if you're doing like a Robin Williams marathon, I wouldn't be afraid to cut this movie, but it wouldn't be the first one I would cut. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's, it's not a bad movie either. Um, I think I just found it. I don't know if it's a good movie, but I found it enjoyable. I don't know if there's a difference. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, there is a difference. There's definitely a difference. It's not a good movie, but I enjoyed it. But it's not a bad movie either. So, like, to each their own. Do you have a score for it, Craig? I'm sitting at a six and a quarter. Oh, I'm giving it a six and a half. So. Yeah. We're on the same page. Definitely, for sure. Um, Our improv segment this week is one of my personal favorites. This one is called Plea Bargain. The way this works is one person is going to be testifying and we already know what this criminal did it's just that it is the improviser's job it's trying to make the crime seem not that bad we gotta try to water this crime down real good and there's gonna be a little dialogue between the the criminal and the sentencing judge to kind of like see if there's some sort of middle ground that we can reach yeah um alex who doesn't love some negotiation in the courtroom alex uh do you have a preferred opening role? Um, I want to be the bad guy. Hit okay. Me with, hit me with them crime. Now, are we, we've done this differently a couple different times. Am I arguing for guilty, not guilty? Or am I trying no. to throw a little bit of a, hey, I did it, but I'm not doing, you know, life without parole. Give me five years yes. with probation. Okay. This is yeah. a sentencing hearing. Yeah. You, you have already been convicted as guilty. You are just trying to, you know, diminish how bad it is. Sweet. I can do that. So what did I do? Allegedly, you committed fraud. <laughs> you, oh, my you, you, you committed medical fraud, um, but like you're the provider so so like malpractice. That's the word you, you provided. You, you're um, you're being convicted of medical malpractice at an old folks home. Oh, OK. That'd be easy. All right, so Mr. Good, I'm looking at your charges here, and it seems like that you are uh, being convicted of seven counts of me- medical malpractice at this old folks' home. Do you care to explain yourself? Um, yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say I tried my best. Um, that doesn't count for much. But here's the thing. I wasn't, if anything, I should be in trouble for ignorance. But that's not on me. They shouldn't have hired me. The whole time I was trying my best, okay? So I didn't realize I was making mistakes till like 
two years down the road when they hired the new guy and he just ratted me out for everything. I didn't know what I was doing, but I'm like trying. Okay. So like what mistakes were you making? So I didn't know, um, you know, CCs, milliliters, different things. So yeah. Uh huh. Uh, um, as far as IVs go, not that big of a deal. As far as anesthetics go or anesthesia, pretty big deal. Um, and I just got them confused every once in a while. But hear me out. Like, they didn't hire anybody else to help me. It was just me. So and if you just scrape your knee, curiosity, it's me. Yeah. Uh, um, just out of curiosity, did you put this medical knowledge on your resume and claim that you had it when you did the interview? I think I got my degree, right? I'd been looking for a job for like six years. Okay. I've had to renew my license twice. Um, and they said they'll pay for me to renew it a third time if I just came on. Um, they said they needed someone. Uh, your license in what? Oh, practicing medicine. Okay. So and I didn't have so... it. It expired. And they said, hey, we'll bring you on. We'll just, we'll renew it for you. I'm like, sweet. Okay. So, but there, you did prove that you had this knowledge on three separate occasions. Yeah. But dude, let me so... tell you, if you don't use it, here's the thing. I got, I'm a really good test taker. Very good test taker. Um, but I graduated med school in 2008 and nobody hired me. So I've had to renew it twice on my own. That's expensive, right? And I just couldn't afford to do it again. So I waited like a year or two and they said they would bring me on, renew it. And uh, they'd be my first line on my resume. And this old folks home hiring you without any experience, you know, offering this grand reward that didn't seem shady to you at all. When you say grand reward, I'm getting paid like $30 an hour, which I know sounds like a lot, but I'm a doctor. I got a PhD. So like that's... This is not great, you know? I'm kind of like uh like almost like an intern. So, uh, but- I'm looking at the reports here and it seems like uh there was some sort of pattern to your uh to your cases here. Do would you like to go into this a little bit? Well, I didn't realize that like old people died more in the winter. So Okay. I did Did you know that was a thing? I didn't know that was a thing. I, so the yeah, pattern they're well, talking about is like how come so many people died more in the winter? I don't know how to prevent it. There's cycles, you know? They typically don't die if you take good care of them. Again, here's the thing. I thought I was. So, I mean, what am I supposed to do? I'm doing my best. And the thing is, is like, I didn't know I was making it worse. Old people die more in the winter. So, like, if that number went from one person to three people, I just thought, man, this winter's really bad. You know, I didn't know it was my fault. And I would just like to circle back. Um... You didn't think that maybe after the first or second time that you did any sort of intrinsic search and think maybe I might be the problem. You had to let seven people go before uh, before you had any thought like that. Have you heard of the phrase fake it till you make it? You told me that you have a legitimate medical degree on three I do. occasions. I okay? do. But I think a lot of what people don't realize is a lot about being a doctor is confidence. And that's um, not true. I have you not heard that? I thought I heard that. People are saying nope, that. You, hey, People you can't confidence your way through confidence surgery. Confidence is key. Um, it, and so I'm just like, well, obviously I got to be at this job for a couple more years, keep building that confidence, and then I'll go work at you know a major hospital. Um, so I'm just, you just caught me during these bad years. I'm still building confidence. I'm still learning the ropes. This is pretty hard to do when I've never practiced medicine before. So in your opinion... How many patients should we have let you kill before you realized that you had the confidence that you needed to work in a bigger hospital okay, where you could potentially hear, kill more hear people? Hear me out. 
We don't know that I killed them. This is an old folks' home, which means we do, all of fact, these people know. were senior citizens. Okay, I mean, but we, we don't, have the reports we of the medical things that you did to them, and we've had better doctors than you look at them and be like, oh, yeah, this medicine probably killed them. This treatment probably the killed the them. They were already sick, right? That's why I was treating them, because they came to see me for a reason. They could have been injured. They could have been sick, right? And they're old, which means... They were going what? to die if I didn't do anything. Three of them had out. the common cold. Say you got in a car accident, Your Honor. Say you got in a car accident, right? Yeah. Someone hit you, but their heart stopped. You go over, give them CPR, and you break their ribs. What? I mean, they were going to die, right? You just tried your best. That's me with these people, okay? They were going to die. They were old. They came to see me for a problem, and I just thought, okay, I could help. And by the way, I didn't kill all of them, okay? Quite a few of them are still walking around. So, like, it's not all bad. All right. I think somebody hey, just for the record, should be grateful. You don't get hey, you don't get you don't get bonus points for not killing people. That is the expectation <laughs> for everybody. All I'm saying is maybe we should talk to those families. OK, I bet you they're pretty grateful I was around. All right. Well, I have talked to those families and they are incredibly afraid for their for their families' lives because of how involved you were with them. So Listen. just for safekeeping, I think just to play it safe, because one of us has to, clearly you weren't, I'm going to say mm, 70 years. 70 In years? 70 years. Yeah, 10 years for each patient. I think Go. that makes sense. Dude, I'm going to die in there. Hey, so did your patience. Can I get parole after 20 or something? <laughs> hey, man, my uh, only crime was being stupid, okay? And that's not worth life in prison. <laughs> I, hey, guess what? They have books in there. Maybe be less stupid by the time you come out. <laughs> Cox gun. <laughs> All right. Dude, that was plea bargain. Improv segment. We haven't done it since, like, Bridges of Madison County. Great, great segment. All right. So, middle se middle segment. It's the middle of January, which means it's time for our New Year's resolution. <laughs> right. Now that everyone else has messed up the resolution, it's time for us to start. Craig, I thought we'd do a little review of all of our resolutions we've done so far. We're going to keep and it And I never like when we do this because he always talks about stuff that would have been so nice if it actually did happen. And then I'm faced with the reality that I'm incapable of following through on the things that I actually care about. And I kind of have like a little crisis, both now when we record and later when I edit this. So bunker in, folks. Well, in 2020, we started this thing. And then you came up with some resolutions for 2021. Well, in 2021, here's what you failed and here's what you achieved. You said less, getting less attached to money, spend, uh, spend less on subscriptions. You achieved that. You said do more characters on the podcast. You did not achieve that. You said find an anime movie that, I, that you like and you failed that. Actually spend money on podcasts and advertising. We did that. And stream through an entire game. You did that. I am not going to go through mine. Now, 2021. That seems unfair on a multitude of levels. I okay. think it's hey, Alex doesn't want to go through his because he didn't do any of them. Okay. Well, the first one. So this is in 2020. We made resolutions for 2021. My first one was being nicer to the audience, which I did. Listen, if I've just decided only, to take it if out. If only Craig. decimally so. <laughs> Listen, go back to our original couple episodes. You guys were getting roasted, bro. It was bad. But. We achieved that one. Uh, 
put out at least one video podcast. We did not do. Get active producing TikToks. We did not do that. Have three guest features. I mean, I did. Yeah, well. um, (laughs) Have three guest features. We did that for our October episode uh, back when. Uh, Only watch one anime movie for the podcast. We did that. Don't use my child for promo material. I did that. Uh, Think about merch and take merch seriously. Did not do that. Uh, Rate five movies within range of each other, like low, middle, high. We did that. And then changed alias from stepdad or double down. And I did that. So the first time we did resolutions, not too bad. Now here's was last year's. From 2021, we made some resolutions for 2022. And we did them kind of together. We didn't really do one-on-one. So as a group, we decided have a fan on the podcast. Yeah, we, we didn't do that. Although I think that would be really cool. We can kind of brainstorm off, off of last year's. And just bring them back for these new ones. I think we should have a fan on the podcast. Okay. I think that would be dope. Um, so we failed it last year, but we can try again this year. Um, watch three or more movies together. Yeah, well, we didn't really do that either. No, we did not. And we said we would do like a live commentary or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say, instead of watching three movies together, just watch a movie together and do live commentary. Yeah, and I actually did think a lot about the live commentary episode. I thought about doing it for Christmas, but things kind of got swept away with like life and work and stuff. I think in general, that'd be a pretty easy episode to put together. It's just finding the right movie and the right time to do it. Because if we do a live commentary episode, that's the whole episode. Uh, the next one we had was Be Funnier. I personally wanted to write 15 new improvs and 10 more middles. I did the middles. Didn't quite hit the mark on improvs. I think I did nine new improvs. And then you did like a couple more new improvs. We hit the mark on middles. Not Together combined, we did enough improvs, but I didn't personally hit that. So bummer. I don't feel the need to write a bunch of new material though. The one hits I feel like are enough. So I don't really feel the need to write a bunch of new stuff. If we could just like iron out our best improvs and our best middles and keep doing those over and over again. And then... If we have a good idea, we can insert it, but I don't feel the need to create a bunch of new stuff. I think we have a good um, repertoire and we can just pick from those. How do you feel about that? Yeah, for sure. Dope. Um, find a two out of 10 or one out of 10 movie. Now, we didn't find a bad movie that we hand picked from a movie. However, we both had a movie that we rated a under a three. Yeah. Um. I had two of them and you had one. So I rated Streetcar Named Desire, which is part of our decades month, 2.5. And I rated Conan the Barbarian, 2.25. Um, that was for our franchise month. You, I mean, you gave Avatar The Last Airbender a three. Um, and Bum- Bridges of Madison County. Bridges of Madison County got a two and a half. Yeah. So that was your bomb. So I'm going to count that as a win. Um, we didn't find a bad movie. We just watched enough movies that we hated. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to count that. I do think we should purposely find a straight up trash movie um, that the world agrees is bad and then watch that. I mean, we kind of did that with Avatar because the reason we watched that was because it was franchises that never took off because they were bad. Right. So kind of. But yeah, I, yeah. I think we could be, I think we could go out in the world and find like quintessential bad movie. Um, I'm going to count it as a win, but I think we should revise it and bring it into the next year. 
Okay. One we didn't even get freaking close to is watch a four hour movie. Um, the longest movie I think we watched was Boyhood, which is two no. hours and 45 minutes. Um, Gone with the Wind is four hours. And we watched yeah, that. Yeah, that was not this year. Yeah, but that was that 2021. Was yeah, I think that's a tall ask because, um, I mean, there are not many four hour long movies. Like, um, like it'd be like they, Hamlet. I mean, like there's going to be a handful and they're not going to be great. I'm scrolling through some right now and I haven't even heard of some of these. Like these movies came out in like the 60s, the 90s, the 80s. Nothing new. Unless we just want to call Kill Bill volume. No, that's cheating. It'd have to be freaking Lord of the Rings. Um, we're I'm already doing Lord of the Rings in. Yeah, I'm cool with that. March, we can nix so. that. We didn't hit it and we're not going to hit it. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, like we could, you know, maybe do something that's like go out of our way to watch more than one three hour long movie. Um, like don't shy away from a movie because it's three hours. I think that's a big, that's a tall order. Yeah. So th- then that, that I think was just movie a... length should just be irrelevant. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Okay. Um, another one we had was change the, or challenge the format, add a segment or mess with the segments. Uh, we I did that. We did that. So we formalized moonlighting. We formalized moonlighting. We also formalized casual episodes. Right. And um, we formalized freeballing because freeballing was not a, it was a thing, but it wasn't called freeballing and we didn't do it like every week. Um, So I'm going to count that as a win. Kind of got off on a technicality, but I'm going to call that as a win. Um, Another one was put out a two or three hour podcast. Did we put out anything that long? Let me see. Um, keep going. I will circle back. Okay. We have four more. Put out a video podcast. We failed that. Rate 10 movies more than two and a half apart. So we were looking for a disparity. So in terms of our episode length, uh, the failed franchises episode was an hour 45. And it okay. seems like that's the closest we got. Um, we have. All right. Do we want to put out a two or three hour podcast? Um, we're going to, we're, Did when you we think hit it's something we need to shoot for. No, when we hit transformers, uh, we're going to be watching three transformers movies an episode. Dude, that's so, straight up. That's insider scoop right there. If you're listening to the third episode of the year, you just got a little sneak peek into our franchise month. Yeah. So yeah, when that happens, like our fast and furious episodes were two hours. Our final fast and furious episode was almost three hours. But our Terminators didn't hit those. Because we were only watching two. And we didn't yeah. care about those movies as much. Um, we, I think we are going to care about Transformers as much as we cared about Fast and Furious. Okay. Interesting. All right. So we got two more left. Go harder on the stepdad material. You pulled back. Wow. Well, you I pulled actually... back this year. <laughs> I don't know. In 2022, I think I was just steady. I honestly forgot where it came from. <laughs> so I... I definitely, compared to 2021, I definitely pulled back. And then this year, I'm like reneging entirely. So I failed that. Although I kind of wish I went even harder. It just, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting bit to go on. And I'm not getting a lot of feedback. So I'm shouting into the void. Um, and I don't know if that's good. And then the last one was have a merch job for each one of us, which we did not do. However, I do want to do that still. Okay. That would be dope. And it can be easy. We talked about this last year. It can be a sticker. It can be a button. 
that has like our catchphrases. But I think we should each a merch shop for each one of us. Okay. Um, do you have any resolutions that you want to put out? Yeah. For this year? So the big one that I want to do this year is I want to be less mean spirited when it comes to our movie reviews. Um, I think the longer I do this, the less interested I am in just dunking on a movie because I think a lot about like reputation and like what I'm putting out into the world. Not to say that, Oh, the people that made this movie are going to see this and they're going to see me roast this movie and they're going to respect me less. Like, I'm not afraid of that. I just think that I don't want, you know, somebody to be like, Oh, this podcast might be a representation of who he is as a person. And they click on an episode and it's 90 minutes of us dunking on a movie. I, I think that that's not as fun as it used to be. And I think it mm-hmm. puts out an energy that I don't really subscribe to anymore. So not to say that I'm going to stop critiquing movies and stop calling movies out when they're not good. I just want to do it in a way that's more respectful to what it is and not just like completely diminish a movie as a whole. Um. Okay. So that could be yours. I, I'm, my resolution is to figure out whether or not I'm going to steer into this character even harder or dial it back. I think I've gotten lazy and started dialing it back. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. It's made I mean, it easier for me as an editor because it's less stuff I have to cut out. Lord yeah. knows how this episode's going to go. Figure out how hard to steer into character. However, I do think, because people ask, oh, I mean, I talk about the fact that I have a podcast. I don't really put it out there that they should listen to it because this is not me in real life. It's like, it's not, it's an elevated version. It's a person I would never want to hang out with. It's a person my friends don't see. Unless I'm joking, you know, this is not me. Okay. Um, so it's very hard for me to recommend people listen to this because they think they're getting me. So you can put out, I don't want to, I want to be less mean spirited because people think this is me. I'm like, I don't tell people to listen to this podcast without telling them. I have to give a disclaimer every time. Hey, just so you know, your boy's a little crazy. So I got to figure out how to do that. I'm not going to, I'm just going to figure out to steer in the character or not. I'm not going to decide I'm going to be less mean or more mean. I just got to figure out who I am as a person. So I'm soul searching. Um, I think we have to put a video episode out. I'm bringing that, I'm putting that back on resolutions. We got to do a video episode. I concur. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll review what we're doing. Uh, resolutions for 2023. We have seven of them. Um, we're going to have a fan on the podcast. We're going to watch a movie together and do live commentary. We're going to watch a straight up bad movie. We're going to have a merch drop for each one of us. Just one, at least one drop for you and at least one drop for me. Uh, we're going to do a video episode and then you're going to try and be less mean spirited when it comes to movie reviews. And I'm going to try and figure out what to do with this freaking character. If I do, maybe I could go full MAGA. I please don't. <laughs> please don't. I could just go full anti-vax. I don't know. Or I could just be like, I could just swing it. Maybe every episode I'm a different character, like you used to be with the intros. I could just be a different person. Um, but that means I'm going to have to start putting a lot more work into these podcasts. Um, but either way, I'm going to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Easy homework. I'm also um, going to add a personal resolution just to wrap this all up. Sure. Uh, I I want to... Th- 
I've had the personal belief for a while that I could run through a little bit of fire and I want to see if I can or not. I want to put that to the test. I don't know what that means. I, f- so if there's a fire, I feel like oh, I could you run literally through. literally mean run through fire. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think I could do a little bit. Like, like just like a small line of fire, I could run through that. I thought fire was like another word for controversy. I'm like, Craig, this no. doesn't seem like you. Yeah, no. I think that like take like, you know, Craig sized fire, but like not long, like three inches deep. And I just like, I think I could sprint through that and then stop, drop and roll. And I'd be Gucci. All right. Well, you and I want to see that. if that's true. I'm not going to do anything like that. That's that seems pretty. Nut- oh, I if we're putting out now, that's not going to that's not helpful for the podcast. I'm not putting that energy out there. Um, that concludes our middle segment for resolutions. We'll touch back on it either last day of December or sometime in January next year. And if you're sticking around that long, that means you're a true fan and maybe we'll have you on the podcast. Craig, so what you for got for a one hit wonder? Yeah. <laughs> I understand this might be a little contradictory to the um, mean spirited resolution I've just put out, but this is something that I'm calling the Josh Groban meter. Now, oh jeez, <laughs> Josh Groban, I feel like is pretty popular. He's not the most famous person on the planet, but he's pretty famous. I also don't find Josh Groban very interesting. Not to say he's particularly bad. I just don't see the hype. And I think that Josh Groban is on the on the parabola of popularity to interesting i think he is the apex he is the center point i think you get any more popular than josh groban you become less interesting not to say you become worse you just become less interesting and the inverse is also true so alex i would like us to pitch some things and see where they fall on the josh groban meter does that make sense not really but that's why you're gonna go first Um, so I just want, we're just going to say something. We're going to see if it holds true. If it is more popular than Josh Groban, is it also less interesting than Josh Groban? Oh, okay. Or sure. That makes so sense. like, so like stranger things, I'm going to say stranger things is more popular than Josh Groban. It's less interesting. I think, is you it? know, I think it's good, but like, I'm not invigorated by the thought of stranger things anymore. Okay. I'm going to toss up a hard one off the rip. Keanu Reeves. I don't think he's as popular as Josh Groban is. Are I think, you nuts? I think he's that, in video games. Okay. The dude's but, John Wick. But the people that care about video games and John Wick aren't the same kind of people that care about Josh Groban. I think that the people that care about Josh Groban, he has a he has a lock on the like 40s plus like mom demographic. And that is a huge demographic. And I don't think that Keanu Reeves has that same power. That is, dude, I think that's a hot take. I think that's straight up a hot take and you don't realize it's a hot take. Okay. How do you feel about trick-or-treating? Ooh, interesting. Is that interesting? I'm going to say, you say it's not interesting? No, you just said, ooh, interesting. Oh, oh, I guess I, I, the, the concept of pairing these two together is interesting. So I think Halloween as a whole might break the rule because it's more popular than Josh Groban and also more interesting than Josh Groban. Um, yeah. trick, or specifically treating, trick or treating. 
trick-or-treating itself, I think, hmm, I'm going to say it's less popular because, like, only a specific group of people do it. Like, only the kids trick-or-treat. Yeah, but you also just said only women over 40 listen to Josh Groban. But that's a huge demographic. And kids is a huge demographic. But kids are only a huge demographic because that also includes their parents. And parents aren't actively trick-or-treating. Yeah, but they give out. They participate in it. Hmm. I do forget that trick-or-treating is, in fact, a two-way street. <laughs> yes. You do need to... Uh, okay. Hmm. All right. I think you might have me on this one. All right. I'll take it. Okay. Um, oh, um, I, got a, I got one that should be a little bit easier. Yo-yos. <laughs> Yeah, they're less popular and more interesting. Less popular, more interesting. Like, it's one of those things that, like, everybody's had a yo-yo. in this. So, like, if you want to say that, like, that's more popular in the sense that everybody has had one. But I think the number of people that care about yo-yos, that, like, that's lower in terms of popularity. Like, if you're Dude. super into yo-yos, you're, like, you, you weren't popular in high school. But it as soon falls as you off, like, after sixth grade. But as soon, but if you were in high school, if you were the dude that yo-yoed in high school, as soon as you whipped it out and started like doing tricks, everybody was paying attention. Okay, that's fair. So, uh, so I'm gonna say less popular, more interesting. What about calligraphy? Less popular, more interesting for sure. Me too. I think same thing. I think less popular, more interesting. Now, I brought this up to somebody else before, and you actually did not take a route that I thought that you were going to take when I gave an example, because I said, once I bring up the scale, Alex is going to say, Dwayne Johnson, more popular, less interesting. Kevin Hart, more popular, less interesting. Those were the two that I expected you to bring up, and you haven't circled around to them yet. I, I felt like doing people's boring. Okay. I think we okay. talk about actors a lot, and I think a lot of our our audience doesn't watch as much stuff as us. So I'd have to pick super popular people. Crochet. Um, I'd have to stick on one side of the Grubman meter. Like I can't, I can't name people who like are only voice actors. Or, um, what about crochet? I thought you said touche the first time. Nope. Um, what about crochet? I don't See, find it interesting, you, but I know it, there are people that do. It's, and the thing is, is there's a direct overlap to people who listen to Josh Groban and also crochet. <laughs> Uh, mm, uh, that's a toss up for me. Do you have any? I mean, if you had asked me this five years ago, I would have said crochet is uninteresting. Like the people around me, like ever since I went to college, like I know people that crochet and whatnot. And after seeing them do it, I'm like, all right, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I think you can't just do what everybody else is doing. Though. You have to, it has to be elaborate. So it's, it, it can be interesting. I think nine times out of 10, it's not. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's they're doing a Sweeney Todd revival and Josh Groban is playing Sweeney Todd. And oh, if that's what? not and if that's not the most drastic form of stunt casting I've ever seen in my life, then I don't know what is because I don't know if you know this about Sweeney Todd, but the show's kind of uh, dark a little bit. Yeah, he and kills people. And not just in terms of like physical acting, but also in terms of music. And Josh Groban, he sings "You Raise Me Up." And yeah, like, this is a I straight don't... up gothic movie. It's a it's Tim Burton through and through. Yeah, and like you know, it's the most famous Stephen Sondheim show. And Stephen Sondheim 
what got famous off this musical for writing very like dark and creepy music. So um, I, I, I found it so interesting and I bring this up again because I, I listened to some of the songs on the, the beauty and the beast live special they did a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, they had some famous people doing that, bro. Yeah. Um, and her did really well Love with, um, with her as bell. Um, Joshua Henry was Gaston. He was interstellar as Gaston. Um, but like Josh Groban as the beast was like, why was Josh Groban the beast? And I'm having the same reaction here with Sweeney Todd. Like, again, I got nothing against Josh Groban. I just, I feel like casting directors are just like spinning a roulette wheel and it happened to land on Josh Groban twice. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Well, this is the longest we've ever talked about Josh Groban ever, and I'm ready to move on. <laughs> yeah, that was the Josh Groban meter. I, it, it came to me in like a hot flash, and I'm like, I need to talk about this. Um, I have two bits of freeballing. I have one. So okay. You can go first. So first is I watched Before Sunrise, which is an Ethan Hawke movie from 1995. It is the first of a trilogy. I think it's called the Before Trilogy. Yeah, it's Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. Um, Before Sunrise is the first of this movie. They're romance movies where okay. Ethan Hawke is riding a train through Europe for reasons that get explained throughout the movie, and he starts talking to this girl on this train and he's like, hey, he gets off in Vienna and she gets off in Paris. They stop at Vienna and he's like, hey, crazy idea. Why don't you spend the night in Vienna with me? I don't have enough money for a hotel room, so it'll just be us on the town. And you can just catch the next train to Paris in the morning because I need to catch my flight at 930. And so this whole movie is just one long date between um, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, who plays the um, female character, Celine. And mm-hmm. this movie, nothing happens in it, but that's not a bad thing. This movie is an hour and 45 minutes of just people talking. Like, in high school, I think everybody in high school and college goes through this phase where, like, every person they meet, they want to have a heart-to-heart with this person. And, like, this movie is the embodiment of, like, staying up until 3 a.m., burying your soul with this person that you just met, and, like, learning all the intricacies about this person. And, like, even going so far as, like, this, I think this happens to everybody, like, you fall in love with this person even if it's just for one night. And that's what this movie is. Mm. And I think as a movie, it's kind of boring because it's just people talking. And But as vibes, like immaculate vibes, this movie came out in 1995. And if, it, if you are a fan of 90s romance just in general... That's what this movie is. It is an encapsulated representation of 90s romance. Um, Ethan Hawke plays this character that's very like, my whole life people told me what to do, and I spent my whole life just doing the opposite. So like he's he's not like JD and Heathers, 
but he's yeah. he's got a fair amount of angst, you know. He's very like me against the world. He's he, he he's smart and he's intelligent and he knows it. Um and Julie Delpy is um also intelligent, you know, she's she's kind of more interested in like the relationship that she has with her with her womanhood and mm-hmm. how that has impacted the rest of her life. And hearing these two people converse about matters related to that, um, it, it was interesting. I liked the conversations they were having. It just like this would have been a podcast if it was made today. Gosh, um, so. Yeah. So as a movie, it's a little hard to watch, and that's where this gets its biggest, uh, you know, takedown in its score. But it's it's a really cool movie. Uh, it's like a seven for me. It's rated eight eight out of ten on IMDb. Has a perfect rating on Rotten Tomatoes. If you want like a pure romance movie, like this is a good one. It's called Before Sunrise. Interesting. Well. I'm adding another uh, watched it with my daughter movie. Okay. Uh, Finding Nemo, bro. All right. This movie is better than I remember it being. Oh, wow. It's so good, dude. And I remember watching Finding Dory and being like, oh, this movie sucks. It's nothing compared to Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is incredible. And it's all about a dad looking for his kid after his wife was murdered by a barracuda. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm thinking like this is so relatable, bro. I am. This is everything I've ever imagined. This is like what happens if Macy dies, right? And I get separated from Willow. What would happen? And it's dude. This movie's incredible. This movie's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it is a road trip movie. It's although he's you know trying to find his kid the whole time, but like it's just <clears throat> antics the whole way through. And then like and I like how you get to cut back and forth between Nemo and what's going on with him and his dad, and they split that perfectly. Where you never get bored with one side. And like something has always happened between the jellyfish and the sharks and the turtles. And then like the whole um, seagulls, the mine, mine. That was everywhere when this movie came out. Yeah. And then you find out Willem Dafoe is the voice of Gil. Um, who's like the one of the fish, fish in the tank. He's not a hot fish. But he's just like, he's like <laughs> scary. Um, and he's in there with Nemo. I'm like, this movie's awesome dude this movie is crush funny is crush funny Uh, i mean i didn't realize it now but it's stoner comedy but it is but back then in my head it was like skateboarders yes (laughs) because i didn't know i'm like oh he just talks like a skateboarder or a surfer um like that vibe but now i'm like it's a stoner thing but that doesn't bother me I'm um, looking at these images on IMDb from this movie, and mm-hmm. the sharks still look pretty scary. Bruce is terrifying, dude. Bruce is when he smells blood and his eye turns black, he looks like a shark again, and that was scary, scary. <laughs> the movie's a uh, it, it's in the eights. It's sure. in there. I would say eight and a half. This movie freaking slaps, bro. And the ending is dope. They they wrap it up really well. It's just awesome. And this was like right. Dory gets annoying, but like how she's supposed to be. Like you're there with Marlon. Like, okay, I'm over it. I'm over it. How um, did your daughter react to this movie? Loved it. This is her movie now. Like this is what oh, she wants good. to watch all the time. However, the whale is the scariest part for her. Oh, sure. Th- because it doesn't talk. It just starts from far away and gradually gets closer and closer and closer and closer. And then it eats you. It doesn't talk. 
There's nothing you can do to get away. And it just like, it's that you see those, like it's mouth. It's not teeth. It's like almost like filters for the krill. Yeah. And it, you see that and you're like, I get why this would be scary to a kid. So she's just not a fan of whales, but she had no problem with Bruce losing his <laughs> mind and then getting blown up in a minefield. Um, but yeah, dude, the movie freaking slaps. Finding Nemo is awesome. Yeah. Um, I have been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, I'm tr- I've been thinking of a really good way to explain this game. Did you ever play XCOM or anything like that? No. Okay. Um, so it's a tactical RPG. I explain it to people like it's anime chess where um, <laughs> anime chess. You have a battlefield and you have your people and uh, they can move a certain number of spaces and they all have separate abilities. Like you have a sword fighter, you have mages, you have archers, you have uh, Pegasus riders, you have horse riders, all that stuff. And you go, there are enemy combatants on the field as well. And nine times out of 10, all you have to do is move your characters to the enemy characters. They automatically engage in a fight and every encounter has an attack and a counterattack. And so you have to strategize like not only can I, can my character survive this attack and counterattack, but will they be able to survive the next one when it's the enemy's turn? And that's kind of the big thing is making sure that your characters are well supported because they get bonuses if they're next to characters that they like and mm-hmm. have good support bonds with and making sure that like all your attack types are well-rounded and so if i know that my character won't get won't kill an enemy with one strike then i'll have my archer follow up behind them and then do a shot over them. Cause they can attack from two spaces away. I'm getting real granular with how the mechanics yeah. work in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like it a lot because it's a simple strategy game. Once you understand like the strategy loop of like, I, I need to make sure that I'm not surrounded. My strongest characters are up front and my support characters have people surrounding them to defend them. It's, as strategic as you want it to be. You can get even more granular than how I've been describing it. And I I just like it a lot. And then there's like the relationship building element of like, you can give your team members gifts and you can help them focus on their studies so they can get better skills. And all of those things affect how well things go in battle. And so Fire Emblem has been a franchise that I care about a lot. They are hefty games i've the current save that i'm on i'm on chapter seven of 18 and i've been playing for like 15 hours jeez dude so they're chunky and a new one comes out at the end of january so i gotta wrap this bad boy up fast yeah um that's nuts uh i think that you would like an XCOM type game, these like turn-based strategy games. I think you would like them if you mm-hmm. gave them a chance. Probably not Fire Emblem. Fire XCOM is like more <laughs> XCOM is more military shooter. Like it has a more military vibe to it. And I think you would like that more. Um but it's been a long time since a game has like really hooked its latches into me like Fire Emblem has. I've been having a lot of fun with it. That's dope, man. Next week, we are wrapping up movies that shaped me. 
we are watching probably the most nostalgic movie on this list for both of us. We are watching the animated classic Robots. Dude, We're bringing Robin Williams back. We're, we got Amanda Bynes. We got Ewan McGregor. I am so excited to rewatch this movie. Dude, it's going to be sweet. Um, I think I only watched this like twice growing up. And I I knew by how much my parents were laughing, so much of it was going over my head. Um, but I'm I'm down to watch it. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. But that's next week. My name is Craig Wells, aka Permanent Handle, and I'm Alex Good, aka Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. Hey man, you have to make a decision here. I'll figure it out later. They don't, I, dude. Hear I have it. all year. I have all year to make up my mind and figure out what I'm going to do. Hey, um, your stepdad loves you. And if you need to clip that and just kind of like put it as a text tone because you don't hear it enough, you have you have my permission to do that. <laughs> All right. Bye. Deuces. <laughs>